The world around us is changing faster than ever before. From automation, artificial intelligence, big data, geolocation, to every aspect of how we work and live. This includes data. Welcome Welcome, to Data Gurus Podcast. Our mission is to bring you a real-life perspective on what's happening in the industry and how successful companies and individuals in this niche navigate through the sea of change. Encouraging you to be bold, be be brave, and be fearless, let's navigate the data ecosystem together. Welcome Welcome, welcome. to the Data Gurus Podcast. Welcome to another episode of Data Gurus. I'm joined today with Nick Samolov, who is the founder of Conjointly. Welcome, Nick. Thank you for having me. Thank you. You are based in Australia, so I appreciate you making time for this interview. I know the time difference there is Saturday morning. Yes. Well, it's, it's, it's busy here, so Saturday is, is a working day today. <laughs> that's fantastic. I, I think any new emerging business is good when you're busy, so that's good news. So, Nick, I wanted to ask you if you could share with our listeners just a little bit about your background and how you came about to you know, start Conjointly. Yeah, so I am from Russia originally, a city called Vladivostok, which is uh, on the Pacific, and came to Australia about 10 years ago for, for university, really. I wanted to do marketing, and Australia has good universities, but also good marketing courses. And that was around the time of uh, GFC when I graduated, and I was looking for market research jobs, and there were none to be found on the market at that stage. And I had to go into consulting. Well, had to. It was a company called Bain. Uh, I worked as a strategy consultant for three years and then decided that it's time to to go back where I really wanted to be, which is market research. And didn't look for a job this time. Decided to start something new, which is conjointly. And how long have you guys been in business for? We started two years and one month ago, and I think commercially launched our platform only about a year and a bit ago. Fantastic. It's rare when you hear people say that they actually, you know, had the intention of working in market research. Most, many people that I've talked to, they kind of fall into it. They're either marketing or finance or philosophy and ultimately get to market research. So it's refreshing to know that you actually wanted to work. I think it came from university where um, lots of marketing classes, but also heaps of statistics classes. And you kind of, when you, when you start liking those things, you want to continue working with them. And where do you go? Marketing plus statistics, that's market research. Sure. And, and Bain & Company is a great consulting firm. So I'm sure that experience added a lot to your company conjointly when you founded it. Yeah, it definitely helped with getting some of the first clients. Uh, they were convinced with the kind of expertise and credibility. But right now, I don't think that's a, that's a selling point. Uh, the, the biggest selling point is the ease of uh, using the platform and the outputs it gives. So let's talk a little bit about what Conjointly does for our listeners who are not familiar with your business. Yeah, so we help companies with product and pricing research. The main, the main way we do that is through our platform, which allows you to log in, uh, put in your stimuli, choose who you want to survey, and then a couple of days later, depending on, of course, who, who you want to survey, you would get a report which will help you answer some questions about, for example, what features of your products people are willing to, to buy the most, how much they're willing to pay for them, things like how much should you charge for a product, what's an acceptable price range. 
So those kind of questions we help answer. The other way we help companies is through custom projects. So we have been quite busy with them recently. One big benefit of that is that we help clients learn from them what they need and then translate that into automated tools. For example, next week we'll have a claims test tool coming up, which is based totally on about a dozen or so projects with a particular client who needed to test lots of claims for their product. And that is, that's a, that's a big benefit, not just to that particular client, but to everyone, because they get to use something that's been battle tested with a huge sample, real projects multiple times. They can just take that methodology that's, that, that they know is robust and reliable and applied to their own project. And are your clients sophisticated researchers who understand the benefits of these advanced methodologies? I guess normal research clients, uh, yes, mostly in uh, large FMCG companies, some tech companies, some other industries, but they're not necessarily statisticians. And if they were statisticians, they would maybe want to do something like that themselves, but they are typically just people who want to get the best research for, for their organization and want to do it efficiently, fast, so at a lower cost, and still have credibility when they go to their internal stakeholders and, and present the results. So automation is such a big word right now in our industry, and you know, there's question about do you need researchers to write and design questionnaires? Is that an art and a science and skill that you know potentially could go away with automation? What, what's your perspective on that? I think that if anything, core research skills like drafting questionnaires, choosing uh, skills will definitely stay in demand because you can, when you automate, uh, you also templatize and you, you make your research similar to what other people have done or what you have done in the past, which is good for consistency. It's good for reliability of, of what you do. But if you want to ask a question slightly differently to get a slightly different answer, if you want to get a little bit of nuance, you still need needs to, to draft your own question from time to time. And that is, that's a skill that's probably not going away. I think people will have more time for this uh, because they will not need to spend time coding, scripting service on survey tools or merging data or things, things that take up a lot of time. So they, they probably have a lot, they'll have a lot of time to talk to their stakeholders, consult with them, think about broader issues, but also dive deeper into those fine points of methodology. So I don't think that's going away necessarily. So when you think about your market, so we're conjointly really competes, irrespective of geography, do you see yourself as a competitor to other automated platforms or a competitor to full service research? How do you how do you look at your kind of market, target market? Yeah, I think it's actually both things that you mentioned. And that is, I guess, our differentiator as well, because people sometimes come talk to us when they want conjoint analysis and they don't know whether they want to do it automated or custom. They just know that conjoint analysis solves a particular problem or that they, they want to know what's the how much should they charge for their product? Same thing. They would they would come to us and uh, talk about it. If their problem is something that uh, can be solved through automated tools, then we definitely recommend that they go there and they can get it cheaper, faster, better. But if it's more complex, then then we can help them with custom projects. No, it's great. You provide the best of both worlds, basically. So you know how to direct your client based on what their research objectives are or business problem they're trying to solve and kind of either consult with them and work them through the research process or direct them to, to your platform. Yeah, yeah. 
That's great. And I'm, I'm sure in that choice, pricing plays a big part of it because one's automated and one's really driven by people. Yes, it does. I think, yeah, absolutely it does. For us, though, it's always the the default is to give people the autom- automated tools because uh, we want to we want people to use them. We mm-hmm. want people to to see the benefit of them. It's a new thing, so some people might not necessarily have the habit of doing that. They they would want to to get somebody else to to run a custom project for them. But if it's only if a problem cannot be solved through automated tools, then we would do a custom project. And then, and then hopefully, if that, common, if that question is common enough, we would then uh, automate it later so that once a new client comes, say, three months later, they will have a tool that will solve that particular problem. That's great because you're basically adapting the platform based on client need. Yeah. Yeah, that's fantastic. So there's much discussion around the quality of respondents and who people are sending surveys to and managing that kind of engagement of respondents. How do you manage, you know, quality for respondents that you go out to through the platform for research? Yes, I think uh, that's actually one of the biggest unresolved problems in the industry because there are a lot of suppliers and they all compete on, on price, but then you wonder what's the difference between, between their offerings. Some will claim that they pay more to their respondents. Some will claim that they check their respondents a lot more. And sometimes you work with a certain supplier and you realize that some of the respondents are not necessarily what you, what you expected. And that falls into two categories for us. One is uh, where it's just fraud, which is which is not that uncommon. Uh, recently, we ran a project and with a trusted supplier of ours, but still, we experienced about 300 completes that were that looked very much That's like. Um, yeah, j- just like bots. Uh, so we had to manually go through the data set and identify those and then liaise with the supplier to make sure that they remove those well, people, mm-hmm. <laughs> call <them> people <laughs> from, from their system. The other bucket is, I guess, when we are not using the right sample, we, I mean, the industry, for example, profiling is outdated and, and we, for example, rely on, on the profiling that's given by the panel that says it's a mother of a child uh, of a particular age uh, but that that age has changed already because they uh, they gave birth say five years ago and that's when they did the filing and now they are their child is in a different age range sometimes it's about just a misunderstanding of how profiling is done and mm-hmm. uh, and that causes a mismatch of sample and what the client needs in terms of audience targeting that can be solved through better screeners that's mm-hmm. what we have found so far but that's that's definitely an area that we pay a lot of attention to the automated tools for example they have checks for how they respond uh, how long they spend on a on a particular question how what's the quality of their open end if it's just one of those three or four words that bots use very often then they're screened out so we, we do experience that we, we do experience uh, issues but um, it's about being vigilant and fighting that and making sure that our clients don't don't come to us and, sure yeah <laughs> so you you have some automated things built into the system and then you have to do your own QA to ensure that the quality is there. That makes sense. So Nick, you jumped from a very stable corporate job to kind of this uncertain world of being an entrepreneur, which I can completely relate to. What has been the experience thus far? 
It has been extremely weird in the first uh, few <laughs> months uh, because uh, you're used to having a paycheck coming every yes. month or so and suddenly it disappears. And especially in the first few months when we actually didn't have any clients and just spent the first, I'd say, six months uh, just developing the platform and figuring out what, what what to do with it. That was quite unusual. Luckily, my wife works. Uh, so That's nice. Uh, that's yeah, that came yes. in really handy. <laughs> and but after that initial stage, we started to get clients first for a custom project, then for then for the tool. And I guess that weirdness disappeared over mm -hmm. time. Right now, it's it's uh, what I find is that this job of of running an operation is about juggling so many things, and it's always different things that are competing for your attention. Is it should you do more marketing? Should you yes. develop your products? Uh, should you talk to your developers, or should you talk uh, to your researcher here? It's always difficult to kind of prioritize, and I think it's even more difficult than in a corporate job because in a corporate job you have KPIs. For example, when I worked in consultancy, we had the assessment was half annual. So so, so every half a year, mm -hmm. and there would be three buckets in, in which you are rated, which is quality of work or analysis. Another one is clients, communications, and the third one is team. So it's all, it was all very nicely laid out for you. So you just need to do your work well. Do your be job. Nice to you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and and then, and then you're done. Then you're yeah. good. Here it's very different. First, yes, you can you can say yes. I need to tick boxes on marketing. Need to tick boxes on product development and things like that. But at the same time, you don't quite know what what the next big opportunity is is about. It sh should will marketing give you that extra boost, or will your next product give you that extra boost? So it's um, it's it's more it's more unclear. And I think I'm still getting used to this. Lack of lack of clarity sure. uh, job for yeah. us to. I think I think a lot of it is just managing emotion too, just in terms of which priorities do you focus on, and and not knowing necessarily what the outcome will be, but making yeah. that risky decision and say yes, I believe there's a high probability that this is the outcome, but not knowing what that outcome is and kind of waiting it through to see if that actually yields the outcome that you want. Yeah, absolutely. And do you have certain mantras or phrases that you keep in your mind to kind of get you through those tough times or come up with a routine in your mind to stay mentally focused and strong? Yes. Yeah, I was actually thinking about this. So every time we... So, so the, the one thing that I uh, often think about is that I'm only that many years old. Uh, yes. so, so there is still a lot of years ahead of me. And it would be foolish uh, not to not to have tried what I'm doing right now, to, to do something, to start a business and mm -hmm. to, to, I guess, try it out for yourself. Because when I was working at the consultancy, I was always thinking that I should probably try to do something myself because th that job sometimes was already pretty demanding and... It, it felt like it, it felt like the hours of the hours that I would spend there are that of founder of a business, but sure. not necessarily ha having your own equity. Yeah. You're already putting all that time in, but yet you didn't necessarily, you know, own a company or start a business on your own. But you were definitely yeah. putting the demanding work schedule in. Yeah, that makes sense. So perspective, broader perspective. Broader perspective on. In terms of, you know, for those days that are really tough, you kind of say, look, you know what, I'm going to give it a shot. I'm still, I have many years ahead of me and I was just want to try it. And, you know, you have a long a road ahead of you. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. That's, that is the mantra, I guess. That <laughs> that's a healthy one. That's good. And, and how do you balance a short-term versus a mid-term focus? Because, you know, to your point, short-term, there's like a million priorities every single day that you have to address, but you know that 
the industry's changing, the climate's changing, there's competition, client demands are changing. Is there a way that you can say, you know, in a particular week, I'm going to spend X number of hours just thinking about, you know, the midterm versus the immediate kind of need in the business? I don't think I have a particular way of thinking about short-term versus mid-term versus okay. long-term. I think the competing priorities right now, for me personally, are in buckets of marketing uh, and product development because uh-huh. we are still pretty uh, low on awareness. I think clients who use us know about us, obviously, and we have sure. had re- really good selection of clients and uh, mostly working with their global teams, starting to work with their global teams and then the local countries would, uh, would know about us. But still, it's only it's only that many companies who know about us. Sure. There is there is a lot of opportunity to, to grow and to, to build awareness of our product. That said, the other the other priority is always product development. And th- that, I guess, is, is a longer term uh, mm-hmm. thing. The more products we, we offer, the, the more clients will want to talk to us. Sure. So that's that's I guess is the is the challenge. Right now, it's about setting goals for how many days a month I would dedicate to different things, and ultimately, it's about building the team. So I think it's impossible to to do. Nobody thinks it's possible <laughs> to do everything by uh, by yourself. And for us, it is it is basically hiring, which we are doing. Uh, I guess constantly at this stage. Sure. Yeah, it's still a small team, but we are, we're definitely growing it. That's fantastic. Nick, thank you so much for joining me today on the podcast. And I wish you much success and I look forward to keeping in touch with you. Thank you very much, Sima. And if people wanted to find you and learn more about your product, can you just share your website? Yes, it's conjointly spelled conjoint.ly. Fantastic. And I'll also include it in the show notes for people to refer to. Thank you, Sima. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to Data Guru's podcast. This episode has ended, but your exploration doesn't have to. Head over to www.dataguruspodcast.com and access all the resources and links mentioned in today's show. You'll also find bonus content available to our podcast listeners exclusively. That's www.dataguruspodcast.com. Until next time, be bold, be brave, and be fearless.